Good morning, Chair City Church. Glad you're joining us today in our online service. Today we're kicking off a new series called Spirit of Summer. We're going to continue that theme we nipped at last week. Now this summer, you might be already beginning to consider, think of swimming when you think of summer. Beach chairs, sunblock. Some of you, like me, might be have this kind of push-pull relationship with sunblock. I mean, you really need it. You have to have it, but somehow you're always forgetting it behind. You, you think of summer, it's like the ocean and sand and sand castles. I even like sand castles. Who's castles. really good at building like sand, sand castles? castles. Really I bet Matt Batez is really good at building sand castles, right? Now, my favorite part of the sand castle is building the, uh, the moat, you know, that, that ditch around the castle so that when the, uh, the sea, the ocean comes pouring in, it kind of hits there and goes around the castle. And usually the way it works, you have the moat, the, kind of this ditch, and then, on the, uh, you know, and then one side is the, you know, the, the beach, the sand towards the ocean, and then the other side is like a wall. You put up a good wall around the castle. Now... When we think about castles, our thoughts usually go to the Middle Ages, right? And, and the knights and the drawbridges. But the concept of castles go way back to ancient times, ancient biblical times in the Old Testament. And we read about that in David's life. And when David became king of Israel, and he, he takes the city of Jerusalem, one of the first things he did was establish Walls and gates around the city. Walls and gates. So, in ancient times, a city was only as strong as its walls and gates. Walls kept bad things out. Gates let good things in. And now, here, it seems though we're having discussions of castles and military concepts, but the Bible then turns it and takes it and puts it on us personally in the book of Proverbs where Solomon, the son of David, writes in Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28, he says, like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control, self-control, doing what is right, doing what is profitable, doing what honors God. See, the Bible now is applying walls and gates to the decisions that we make in how we manage our life. Like a castle and a kingdom, you and I are no stronger than our walls and our gates, keeping the bad out and letting the good in. Is that how you want to live your life this summer? Keeping the bad out and letting the good in? Last week we mentioned that in our lives, whatever we feed grows, whatever we starve dies. Well, the walls help us starve that which, ne which needs to die in our lives, and the gates let in that which nurtures us and helps us grow the good things in our life. If you maintain and manage your walls and gates, you will increase the likelihood of having a good summer, an enjoyable and blessed summer. Really, you'll just have a good life, uh, as we call it, the beautiful life, which is another way of saying that you're going to manage your life well in a way that honors God, which is another way of saying that you're going to really give attention to your 
yeses and your noes. Because that's really what it comes down to. Managing our, what we say yes to and what we say no to. I remember, oh, six or seven years back, my, we went to Virginia Beach, and it was a really good time. We had a great vacation there. While we're there, we go to a place called Bush Gardens. It's a, it's an, a great um, amusement park there. It looks great. Ton of good rides. It's big on roller coasters. And, and there was this one roller coaster, I think, from what I remember, because I really think this incident might have like, damaged my brain forever, but I think it was called... I just The whole day just damaged my brain, actually. But I think it was called Griffin. And as soon as we pulled up to the park, I seen it, because I'm not really big on roller coasters. I'm not. I think my wife is huge on it. My kids love them. But, you know, I'm not really big on it, like the beach and roller coasters. I just, I don't know. I'm just here, and they're all over there. And, and, and I could see it as we're pulling to the park, this monstrous thing. I thought maybe it's like some water tower or something. And I, oh, I'm like, no, it's a ride. I'm like, yeah, that's not happening. You know, I'm not going to go near there. And, uh, and so a couple of times you pass, and, and my boy's like, Dad, you know, can, can we go on, Dad? Can we go on? I'm like, yeah, no, nah, no, nah, it's, it's, the line's too long. It's, it's just not, it, you don't see it. It goes around the other end. It, it's deep. You, it'll take forever. Well, then we, went, we happened to be passing by it, and I think what happened was there was a thunderstorm in the park, and they shut everything down, and then like five minutes later, they opened it back up, and we happened to be walking by this ride, and, and there was nobody in line. Like, oh, my dad's like, Dad, Dad, come on, come on. And, and you know, I should have kept my walls up. I should have said no, but I said yes. And I got on this ride, and I'm just going to tell you, this, this isn't like your typical roller coaster where, you know, it's kind of like a mountain, and you go up gradually, and then you come down, you know, kind of fast, but gradually, and maybe a little steeper. This baby, at the time, it was the highest, I'm going to, it was the highest incline. It went higher than any other roller coaster, meaning it, was, it, it took you 200 feet up in the air on a, on a slant, and then, and then it fools you. It takes you straight across about 50 feet flat, like you're going across a rooftop. And the reason why, because in a sense you are, and then it hangs you. Not like you're looking down the side of a mountain, but like you're looking down the side of a building. And then it just hangs you there, 200 feet in the air, and then drops you into some vicious spiral and corkscrew. Man, by the time I got off, and then it does it again, but it's not 200 feet, it's like 100 feet. And when I got off that ride, my brain was mush. I, I, I couldn't walk straight. I said yes, I should have said no. But you know what? What's worse is we get off, and I'm, 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 they don't realize what's going on me. I'm composed. I'm a guy. I'm their dad. And, and we're walking away, and they're like, Dad, let's go on again. And, and, I, and I, I start to say no, and then there's this little girl and her mom, and they're going to get on. They're like, Dad, come on. The girl and her mom are going on. They're letting them on quick. They, they can go. She can, you can do it, Dad. I should have said no, but I said yes. Man, when I got off that second time, they had to just about help me stand up. It was bad. I had to like sit down for like 15, 20 minutes. There are times when we say yes, we should say no. We should keep the walls up. Let's jump into the Bible. We're going to go to 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1. And it reads, in the spring at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. 
they destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabah, but David remained in Jerusalem. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful, and David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her. She came to him, and he slept with her. Then she went back home. The woman conceived and sent word to David, saying, I am pregnant. So here in Scripture, David commits adultery. He says yes when he should have said no. He should have kept his walls up. Instead, he took them down. Perhaps David's thinking, you know what? Ah, it was a bad day, bad decision. I'll get over it. I'll push through it. I'll get on. But the reality is, David has, set, has now set in place kind of a, a, a events that would, like a domino effect, take place in his life in the coming weeks and even months. One poor decision to another poor decision to another poor decision. And the reality was that his suffering, his sorrow, and his setbacks would increase. If David was with us, Today, if he was hanging out with us this summer at the beach or at the barbecue, I think he'd come alongside of us and he'd say, you know what? In your life, there are walls that you need to build and you need to hold up. There are things that you need to say no to. And today I want to toss a few of them out to you specifically that I think you can apply to life always, especially this summer. You want to say no to shirking. We'll talk about that. You want to say no to being ungrateful, and you want to say no to self-indulgence. Shirking is when you kind of avoid or neglect responsibilities, and that's what David was doing here. David's in his late 40s, early 50s. I mean, come on, he's still got some strength and vigor to him. I hope you'll agree with that, because I'll be 55 next week, and 55 is early 50s, isn't it? And, and, and David, you see, his calling, his anointing was in being king was to be out in battle with his army. That's what he had been doing for 25 to 30 years of his life. And now he sends his army out, but he stays back. You see, he avoided and neglected his responsibility. You know, there are times when you're living out your relationship with God, you've been kicking around this Christian thing for 10, 20, maybe, you know, years, maybe a handful you know, you're doing it, you know, well, and you think, okay, I'm good, I'm settled in, I'm comfortable, and then it happened suddenly. You begin to shirk a little here, a little here, a yes here instead of a no, and I mean, you were battling, you're doing well, you're fighting the right fights and fighting them well, and now it's not a big deal here, not a big deal there. And hey, you know what, it's the summer, so man, this is, the, this is a good time to relax, it's okay to relax. I mean, everybody's relaxing. When David's armies were out there, do you know what they were doing? They were, bad. They, they were coming against other armies who worshipped false gods and wanted to establish the worshipping of false gods in the region and in the world. So it was critical that David's armies would go out there and stop this so that David would continue the worship, the preservation of worshiping the one true God. But instead of doing that, David pulled back. 
instead of holding up his wall and, and, and saying no, uh, and, 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 and saying no to shirking, he said yes to avoiding responsibility and doing what he was called to do. And in the coming weeks and months, a whole mess of pain would then flood into David's life. I'd like to ask you a question this morning. What is it that you're avoiding in your life? What needs some attention from you? What needs some dedication from you that you are avoiding in your life? What are you neglecting in your life right now? What's that, that rub that, that you know that you've been neglecting, that if you gave attention to, you're convinced it would make a big difference and a significant improvement, that, that you know it's, been, it's just been neglected for too long. Something within you, relationship with others, your, your spouse, your kids, God, let this summer be the summer that you're going to say no to shirking, no to neglecting that area anymore. You're going to come out of this summer in a greater place, no longer just carrying that unhealthy burden kicking around in your head, carrying that, draining you. Instead, you, you, you're look, right now you're filled with hope. You're seeing the end of this summer as a time of rejoicing when you've no, no longer neglected it, but you've given attention to it, and God has done a miraculous work in your life in that area. To God be the glory. Maybe there's something in your marriage, your family. Think how good it could be when you say no to neglecting and avoiding. Maybe it's something in your relationship with God. No more avoiding and neglecting. No, no. God is going to be glorified. I am filled with hope right now. I am running to that battle. Give attention. Give time. My kids, uh, you know, recently they finished school. Oh, oh, one is taking school through the summer in college, but the other three finished. And, uh, you know, two of them uh, had graduated from high school. Christy completed seeing two kids from kindergarten, five years old, all the way through to 18, and finishing the 12th grade. Congratulations, my dear wife, and homeschooling another two kids through. And, and, and the culmination of that was her sending her reports in uh, to the town to report uh, and document all that she had done. It takes her really like about almost, I think, a week and a half to just to put all that together. It's so impressive. Now, my kids are like, all right, they're ready to kick back. And I'm like, oh, oh hold on now. They love that when their dad comes in and does that stuff in so many words. I'm like, you know, you, you, yeah, yeah, you can, you know, there's a time to have fun and relax. We want that. But there are things to do. There's a lot going on at the church. And, and we're putting a pool up that we picked up used. So yeah, you're going to have some fun, but there are things that need to get done. And Dad says that strategically in one way or another. I mean, I'm telling them the responsibilities that need attention. What, what I tell my kids is don't live on borrowed time. I used to live that way up until I was 28 years old when I came to faith in Jesus Christ. I perpetually lived on borrowed time. It gets old and ugly real fast. Borrowed time is in my words, in, in my world, is when you need to do something and you don't do it. Instead, you do something you'd prefer to do, and so you're borrowing time. You're taking for what needs to be done and giving it to what you prefer to be done, which is usually more relaxing, more easier, uh, more satisfying in that moment. And so you're borrowing time because that, that, that has to get done sooner or later. And usually, I have found when you 
When the time comes that you have to pay back that time to suffice that responsibility and get it done, it's almost always not convenient at the least. It's like, oh, no. And it, it, it usually is so much more difficult than it needed to be than if you would have given the intention you needed to at the time, if you wouldn't have avoided the responsibility. This summer, now there are, there are exceptions to that, and, and I'll do that to be with a loved one. You have the moment, the opportunity to do something special with somebody you love or, 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 or care for another person. Absolutely. Those are usually exceptions, not the rule. This summer, give time to what needs your attention. And it just might be actually that loved one. It might actually be someone else. Give time to these critical areas of your life, family and God and, and health. And yeah, and, and taking time to enjoy the summer with your family is part of that. Taking time to pull back and slow down, we mentioned this last week, to, to come to a, a good and godly speed in your life this summer is included in that. Say no to shirking, meaning to avoid, you know, say no to avoiding doing what needs to be done. Don't neglect the most important things in your life this summer. Don't pull back from them, especially those spiritual practices and decisions that feed your spirit and honor God. Because it, if you do this, if you do shirk, if you do pull back, if you do avoid these critical areas of your life, sadly, you might wind up drifting. We drift a lot over the summer. As we said, and we've said before, and we come into the fall, and, we're so, and we really spend like September just trying to get back to, to normal. Some, some spend October. Some don't even arrive till like, you know, December, and now they're making New Year's resolution. Don't spiral like that. Because when you drift, what tends to happen is you, don't drift, you, you land in this place called ungratefulness when you're drifting. When you lose focus, and what matters most, when you stop giving attention and care to what matters most, you tend to drift to a place where you're mired in ungratefulness. When, you, when you're ungrateful, you, you're opening up cracks in your wall. And when, you, and, and when you open up these cracks, what comes in is envy. Envy begins to pour into your heart and mind. You watch, watch your thoughts if you, this summer. And if you, might, you might not realize you're being ungrateful, but you'll catch your thoughts of envy. And if you're, you know, like you're, you know, you're thinking, well, I'd, I'd like to have that. I, I really wish I had that. And as that's happening, you got to pause and say, whoa, ha, whoa. These are en thoughts of envy. I must be, maybe I've, I've drifted to a place of being ungrateful. And that's a really dangerous place. You want to say no to ungrateful this summer. No to being ungrateful. David was a blessed man. huh? He had a, a, a good family. He had a, he had a wonderful wife. And now he's looking at someone else's wife. And I mean like looking at someone else's wife. He lets himself drift towards ungratefulness versus thankfulness. It's really hard to be married, to be in a committed relationship with someone where you've, where you've, where you've agreed to be with each other and no one else. It's really hard that while you're... To, to, to be thankful for them in that relationship and to go and to have sexual relations with another person. I'm going to tell you that if you're thankful for your spouse, if you're just dwelling in thanksgiving for them, if you're thanking God for, for who they are in your life and seeing the good 
and dwelling on the good in, in who they are, it's going to be really hard to have sexual relations and activity with another person besides them. And that's how God made it. David could have walked over to that balcony, looked over at Bathsheba and said, whoa, I'm out of here, man. Whoa, oh, ah, I'm out. I'm thankful for my wife. You see, when you're thankful, I, I know what I have with her. I, I, I know the, the hope, the potential. I know the goodness. I, I'm glad. I, I want to enjoy what I have in her, and I want to enjoy what I believe God has for me in this relationship and my family. No. No, I'm not going to be ungrateful. I'm not going to go there. I'm turning around, and I'm going. But you see, the drift had begun, and David was already, as I'm proposing, in this place of being ungrateful to God for his wife, for his family. And David was envious of what he didn't have, meaning, you know, this is, wow, I don't have that. And, 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 and of course, I deserve that, which now justifies me going out to get it, right? When you neglect responsibilities, remember, David stayed back. The armies went forward. David wasn't fulfilling his calling, his anointing. He, he was staying back. He was shirking. And now he had drifted to a place of being ungrateful. And now he was focusing on himself and, and what he would prefer to have. You tend to do that. Why don't I have this? Why don't I have that? I mean, I deserve that. That's what ungratefulness, ungratefulness does. It makes you look at what other people have and what you don't have. And that's going to create problems. And that provokes you to saying yes when you should say no. I choose you when you should say no to that person or that situation, to purchasing that, you should say no. David should have held up that wall and said no. You see, when you're grateful to God, you tend to say yes to the right things because you're valuing the right things. Your eyes and your heart are fixed on the right things. This is not only scriptural and divine. This is good, good, practical, logical, common sense too. Your, your gratitude, your thanksgiving brings you closer to God. It strengthens your relationship with God. You're now feeding your spirit. You, you remember, you're a spiritual person. You're not, you're not material. And that which is so important and critical in you now begins to strengthen this summer, feed your spirit with thanksgiving to God. Right now, begin to ponder that. Begin to embrace that attitude, that mindset. I'm going to feed my spirit with thanksgiving. Otherwise, you're going to drift. And, and, and when that happens in our culture, you know, it, it, it doesn't take long for us to begin to become unthankful, envy, dissatisfaction, and we drift like David did. And, and when we do, just, you know, man, right outside our doorstep, right in our hands, right within our eyes and our ears, ears is the opportunities, the abilities to self-indulge. This summer, you want to say no to self-indulgence. You see, there's, the, 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 that self-indulgence we're talking about now here is unrestrained gratification for one's desires. It sounds bad because it is bad. It doesn't have to be bad. It could be awesome. It could be beautiful. It could be God intended for you to have a blessed life. You see, something, there's something about summer and self-indulgences. Isn't it true? Somehow we, we just, that self-indulgence 
just, just amps up in the summer. We self-indulge in substances, drinking weed, you know, getting high, partying. We self-indulge more in food. We self-indulge more in purchases and how we spend our money. Who, who comes out of summer saying, man, I got an, I, we saved a lot of money this summer. And you self-indulge in sexual sin, in, in, in sexual behaviors that don't glorify God. You know, that, some of that summer loving, as they call it. I wouldn't call it loving. Look, right, David, when he looked down at Bathsheba, he could have said, no, we're going to stop this right now. I, I, I am not going to self-indulge here. I am not going to gratify myself here in a really excessive and distorted way. They're not, not, there's too much at stake right now. He, he, see, by saying no and holding up the walls, David would be able to see things for how they truly were. This summer, you can pause and say, it's not going to happen. I'm, I'm going to get closer to God this summer. I'm going to have a harvest of peace and joy in the fall. I'm going to say no to self-indulging. There's just too much hope ahead. I'm not going to turn around and sin against God. I'm not going to harm myself. I'm not going to bring sadness and sorrow to those I love. I'm going to indulge in the things of God. I'm going to indulge in the things of God, that which feeds my spirit. I'm going to fix my eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith. If David could come alongside us and hang out with us at a barbecue, one of our chilling grills, he'd say, you know what? I blew it. I did. I blew it. I committed adultery. After I committed adultery, I deceived my friends, those who trusted in me. And then I committed murder to cover the whole thing up. It just got so out of hand. I, it, you know, it, it just started out with, with, with one sin and, 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 and a bit of self-indulgence that, that some, I don't know why. I, I don't know what I was thinking. Like how it just, I just sinned against God. Can, can you imagine that moment when it's all transpired, the adultery, the deception, the murder, and David walks out onto that same rooftop and looks out and says, man, if I could just go back to that moment and said, no, I'm stopping now. I'm putting my walls up. I'm holding them up. And, he, and no, it's no. And David's standing there on that rooftop. And he's asking himself that question that I know I have asked myself and maybe many of you. How did I get here? How did this happen? How did I get here in my relationship? It's broken, it's tattered, it's distant. How did we get here? How did I get here financially? How did I get here spiritually, kind of distant and indifferent to God when truly all those things that I do cherish, that I know is most important in my life, I just really just deeply connected to God not something material, but something spiritual. How did I get here to where so much of who I am seems to devalue this now? I talk to my kids and I tell them that in trying to guide them in life that many good people, people who I admire in many areas of their life, many people start out with good intentions in life. They've got these good dreams and, and these aspirations and 
and they're all healthy, and they start here, and they wind up here. They wind up so far from what they initially desired, what was good, and they wind up in places that really are so much less than what they thought. And I'm not just talking about like financial ambitions or material ambitions. I'm talking about with who they are as a person, their relationships, their, their overall health, emotionally, physically. And I tell them how this happens. It, it, it really, although sometimes it seems like, you know, a, a decision in this, you know, critical moment, and certainly that, that lends significantly to it, it really is a bunch of small decisions that were made leading up to that, and then sometimes even continuing after that major decisions. Meaning that they come to a point where they make a decision, and making that decision, they take a step. But what I'm telling you is that we, we, we make decisions. It's how we manage our life. And there are times when we say yes, when we should say no. There are times when we just need to keep our walls up and not let the enemy come pouring into our lives. David made the decision not to go out with his army. He was shirking from his responsibility. He was neglecting what had to be done. He, he, he was pulling back from what he was called to do, people. You know, and, and, and he could think, you know, at the moment, well, it's, it's not, I don't know, I wasn't in his head, but hey, it's not a big deal. Man, I've been doing what I need to do for so long. I've been good here. I've been great here. We see chapter 9, he actually does some incredible things in, in going back and doing something wonderful for a, a guy who's crippled, honoring God, honoring covenants. But, but hey, you know what? I, I just, I'm going to take a break here. I'm, I'm going to let the walls down. And I'm going to say yes to what I should say no to. Why, why, why can't I indulge a little? Why can't I indulge? Why can't I self-indulge a bit here? Huh? I mean, you know, I'll, I'll do it once, and, and then I'll just, just bring it right back on track. I, I, mean, I, I mean, I'm good enough. I've done well enough. I'm, I mean, just pop, pop right back. I mean, I, I, and, and by the way, as we see others do it, right? We know people out there that, that are in our lives, our family, our friends, those around us, and, and, and we see them kind of living out certain ways. They know, we, they might not know we know, but, and, and it's self-indulging, and, and we see, and we see they're doing great. We know they're doing great because we see it on their Facebook page, right? That 10-second clip, that, that, that's so sincere and so genuine, and they're so happy, and everything is so together, and, and yet, <laughs> when you're living in this place of and with ungratefulness and self-indulging, you actually get captivated by those 10-second Facebook, Instagram, social media clips. Like it becomes your reality. And, and, and really, I, I think it's the farthest thing from that. And I'm not being condescending. I, I think I'm being, I'm being sincere. Uh, look. Don't be thinking, I want that life. I've got to get that life. Or, hey, you know what? It's not a big deal if I do this and extend myself there. Maybe I could be that happy. It is a big deal. Why can't I do that? Why can't I, you know, just engage and indulge in porn, self-indulge in porn one more time? I mean, I'm not harming anybody. Uh, it's just me. What's the issue here? And, you know, tomorrow I'll go back. At the Warrior Conference, there was a speaker that spoke to the men and the young men in that room, he, he really did, did so well, and, and he said something that resonated in me, that how God designed human beings to be in relationship, 
And, to, and in those relationships, the deeper and the more intimate the relationship, that we would bond together, that a man and a woman would, would bond together. And, and, and pornography being used by Satan takes us from bonding to bondage, right? You're in bondage now, more than you realize. Porn is a sexual sin. It, it's, it's saying yes to what to when you should be saying no to. Today, take that first step in the right direction and say, you know what, I'm going to put up my walls and I'm going to say no. That versus waking up one day and saying, how did I get here? Don't see it as something that's satisfaction. See it's something that's sinful against a living and a loving God who simply has something greater for you. 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 27, it says, After the time of mourning was over, David had her Bathsheba brought to his house, and she became his wife and bore him a son. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. Her husband's dead, killed in battle. David set him up. The scripture says David had done something that displeased the Lord. That's not going to be us this summer, right? That's not going to be you this summer. This summer we're going to set out, we're going to go out to please God with all that we would do. If David was here with us today, if he was hanging out with us on the beach, he'd say, man, put your wall up, hold your wall up, stand against ungratefulness, stand against being envious against others, stand against self-indulgences and sexual sins, stand against all forms, anything that you would take into your body that would be sinful, that would be disturbing to you, that, that would be an offense against God's temple. Whatever it is, this summer, live the good life, the godly life. Make decisions to keep your walls up, to keep bad things out, and let in the good things. Open up those gates and let in what is good and what honors God. And think about that and dwell in that. And David did that. David had done that in his life. David had opened up his gates to what is good. He did make good decisions in his life when he said yes to the right things. This summer, say yes to the right things. Say yes to meaningful relationships. David built some great relationships in his life. When it came to his wife, he had to conquer a hundred warriors just to gain her hand in marriage, just to have her. And then you have Jonathan, Saul's son, he had built up a wonderful, beloved relationship with Jonathan. And, and, you, you, and he would allow people to get close to him and have relationships. You don't want to put up a wall this summer to meaningful relationships. 25 years ago, the month before we're going to get married, I'm struggling. I am. You know, I, I don't even know how much I've talked about this because I, I, it, it, it didn't like, I wasn't like dwelling on it for a while, but 25 years ago, I'm about a month or maybe five, six weeks from getting married, and, and it just starts to come on me, like, you know, come on top of me, like, okay, I, I, gotta, I gotta care for this person, and, and, uh, and, and she's trusting in me, and I don't trust in me. And as I'm really starting to take in that I'm leaving this life, that although up until coming to Christ, most of it was so depraved, and uh, wow. I felt like I was floating, and now here I am going to be a husband, and, and I guess with that, eventually become a father and, and caring for people, and, and eventually this woman would, would get to know me, not only physically, but emotionally 
and, and, and man, I don't even know me. And what I do know about me, I don't know how much, I don't know, I don't even like a lot of it. And I just started, you know, feeling like uneasy. I don't know if it ever came to a point like, I don't think I want to get married. But, but I was in this like kind of abyss of un- uncertainty or, or uh, apprehensiveness. And, and not towards this woman, as much towards this relationship. Like, wow, just, <laughs> what, you know, oh, almost like it's unfair to, to her, if you will. And then I, I remember uh, a song came on. I have a list of songs and... I was, you know, driving one day and it came on the radio. It was uh, by Paul McCartney and Wings, Baby, I'm Amazed. It's a good song, you know. It's just, Baby, I'm Amazed at the way you love me all the time. Baby, I'm Amazed at the way you treat me. And, and, and it just hit me. Like, I, I just was amazed that this woman would love me, that I was amazed that she would want me. Uh, I was amazed that I, all that she was for me. And, uh, and I just focused on that, man. I, like, man, you know, man, this is never going to happen again, Dave. This train is not going to pull through again in your life. This ship is not going to come in again. This is as good as it gets, and truly, this is of God. This is, this is God blessing you. This is his mercy being poured out into your life and his abundant grace. And I just started thinking of all the good that she was to me and all the good that lie ahead for us. And, uh, and there's, been a, there's been a massive amount. We, we get to celebrate that in September, September 2nd, 25 years of marriage. Amazing. Huh? Look, don't put a wall up and turn people away. Don't do that. Say yes to meaningful relationships. Your Father in Heaven made you to have meaningful relationships. This summer, nurture and build meaningful relationships. I want you to pause right now. I've already done this with my children. I began to do this, to, to have meaningful relationships over the summer. The, recently, one of my son, my Justin, my son Justin, kind of in, in, in talking about this subject, he just came out kind of in a way of conviction, but passion about wanting to care for his grandfather. And I think just yesterday, uh, or Saturday, or Sunday, or Saturday, I think, today's Sunday, so Saturday, he took his grandfather out to play golf. How wonderful is that? And he came home, and I said, how did things go? He said, well, I beat him. I'm like, no, you're not supposed to do that, man. You're taking him out to make him happy, to make him feel good. You're not supposed to beat him. Look, maybe you need to connect with someone this summer. And that could happen in your church. Huh? The church is an incredible place to fix broken relationships. A church is an incredible place to begin to heal in your heart and mind those relationships that need mending. Church is all about healing and building and helping. More bonding, less brokenness this summer. Open the gates. Let people in. Build and maintain healthy relationships this summer. When you do this, you're more likely to be in a position to say yes. To say yes to what? To blessing someone. We were blessed to be a blessing. It's true. It's a cliche. I'm not all over cliches, but this is true. Open your gates. Open your heart and mind to saying yes to blessing someone this summer. David lived this way. He said yes to the right things. We saw that in 2 Samuel chapter 9. I made reference to it. There's a man named Mephibosheth who was Jonathan's son. He wound up being crippled. I, I won't give you all the events. It's an incredible story in chapter 9. But David, in an unusually unselfish and even sacrificial way, 
blesses Mephibosheth. He, he, and, he, and, and it does, it's not, he, he's got a search to do it. He, it starts out in chapter 9, who can I find to bless? He's actually thinking, who can I find to bless? Who can I sh- find to show favor to? Who can I find to fulfill the promise I made with Jonathan? And they go, and he's got to search and search for Mephibosheth. This summer, sit, seek, search, let God, Holy Spirit, work with you. Who can I bless this summer? Who can I bless? Mephibosheth was seemingly unworthy of David's blessing. Who can I bless this summer? Who can I build up this summer? Who can I help this summer? I'm going to bless someone. Now, one way, and we're going to neatly bridge this. The next week, we come back into meeting our building. It's going to be a historical moment. It will be. It's going to be an extraordinary moment. We've gone to three services. I've decided as your pastor to do that to ensure our ability to bless others. I want this to be a place of refuge, a a safe place, a place of safe harbor, a place where people can come in and heal, be helped and grow, and be filled with joy and peace and comfort, right? I don't want them coming in here fairly apprehensive. And I understand to some extent in the environment we're in, there's a little bit of that no matter what, but I want to do all I can to lend to the other way, that, that they can come in here and just be taken in by worshiping with others, by taking in and filled with the hope of, great, of what's to come, the best is yet to come. So we spread it out over three services to ensure space, to ensure that we would, could follow the protocols and the COVID-19 protective measures and precautions without having to police and, and for it to happen naturally that there's more space in here. But be a blessing to others. Say, well, how, how can we do this, Pastor? With that, you're going to come in and enthusiastically, and I'm, I, I want you to join me. I want you to be a part of this historical moment where we go from big to small and getting ready to go big again, huh? Believe in it, this is the beginning of God doing something great. I want you to bless them that you are going to come in with your mask on, that you're going to work diligently with us to follow the COVID-19 precautions, because you can. And, we, and you want to bless others, someone who might be more in, a, in an apprehensive place about this, someone who's more concerned, someone who is just in who they are. I have people in my own family that they really want to carefully follow those details and directions and, and rules and regulations. And we're going to come together and do that next Sunday to bless others. It's not going to be a time where we're going to self-indulge in our, in our opinions. Why would we do that? It's not going to be a time we're going to come in and, and use it as a platform of what we think is right and what we think we're wrong. Why would we do that? It's going to be a time we're going to come together and just bask in, in unity and in encouraging each other and in blessing others with our humility. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 8, where we consider the interest of others, not ourselves. Why would we do that? Because we're followers of Christ and we will so gladly and joyfully follow Jesus and bless others as he has blessed us. And so we will be a beautiful sight before living in a loving God as we do the best we can, you know, not to grab people's hands, not to hug, not like, ah, I'm not into that stuff, who's going to grab your hand? No, like, hey, it's great to see you. I mean, it's great to see you. It's good to see you. I'm blessing you right now. 
I'm glad to see you, but we're going we're gonna to honor these restrictions. We're going to take precautions because I don't want anybody feeling uncomfortable. I don't want anybody to think, well, I can't come back next week. No, no, I'm going to serve them as my Jesus served me. I'm going to bless them. I'm going to be a blessing. And I'm believing that as I do that, there's going to be a harvest of joy for me in the fall. That one of these people that I'm blessing, that one of these moments of unselfishness, of putting aside self-indulgence, is going to pour a blessing into somebody. And man, I am planting good spiritual seeds and I'm going to reap a harvest in my life in the fall, in my wife's life in the fall, in my kid's life in the fall, in my grandkid's life in the fall. I'm going to honor God. Listen, we are at the cusp of an incredible time. We as a church will rise to the challenge. We have yet to fail to do so in the history of this church. We will do it again. Honor God. And we are going to have a time. Your pastor's working on it. I hope to have it in place where you can go right outside and have a time of hanging out. We're going to talk with the town. We're making some plans, some strategies, some tactics where you can come together in an area and now kick back more, hang out more with people. It'll be outside the building. And, and, and we want to be considerate of that, too. We know you, you want to have that experience of kind of connecting more and being a bit more social. It's so much of who we are. Uh, we're going to lend to try making that happen. And I feel highly likely that we will be more successful than not. We want to consider everybody. We want to consider the interests of all. But let's bless each other. And now we're going to go on a little long here. I want you to say yes to truth today. I want you to say yes to the truth in love. God sent the prophet to David to give him truth. See, David had deceived himself. David was burying the whole thing. And God sent the prophet to tell David that he had sinned against God and that he was deceiving himself. It was painful. It was hurtful. It was difficult. But David needed to hear that. This summer, say yes to letting people Come into your life who love you and who want to speak truth into your life. So listen to me. Say yes to those who you know that love you, that are trustworthy. Perhaps God's even put them in your life. Let them speak truth in love into your life. You might be in the middle of a confusing time. You might be in the middle of a time of transition. You might be in a, in a, in a turbulent time. Let these people speak truth into your life. Don't clamor around and run around trying to get people to tell you what you want to hear. Don't deceive yourself. You might not even realize you're steeped in self-deception. Sometimes it's not such a horrible thing. You're just trying to soothe your mind. You're just trying to hold on to something that you hoped would be and it no longer exists. And it's incredibly painful to just detach from that thing, that person, that job, whatever it is. And someone comes along and speaks truth into your life. Say yes to that, to letting them come in. This summer, build meaningful relationships. Let someone who loves you in be a blessing to others. Let someone speak truth into your life this summer. Now, I'm here to tell you the truth is God loves you. God desires to bless you, and he's calling you to himself this summer. He's calling you to build a meaningful relationship with him. He's calling you to open up the gates of his heart to say yes to Jesus, to know that Jesus loves you and that God, the Holy Spirit, is with you now, cultivating, stirring you, drawing you closer to him. And the first step, first step in saying yes to Jesus 
is to believing and trust in his name and in who he is, the Son of God who gave his life on the cross, crucified for the forgiveness of, forgiveness of your sins and mine, that you and I would have eternal life. Now, if you believe that, that Jesus is who he is, and he's provided for you eternal life, a time in heaven with God for eternity, and you're in this place in your mind and heart and wanting to come to Jesus to follow him, you'd want to say a prayer of some kind like this. God, I need you. Today I turn to you. I'm thankful for your love and for what Jesus did on the cross for me. I want Jesus to be just the Lord of my life. I want to follow him. Today I trust in Jesus Christ as my Lord and as my Savior. Now if you've said that, you've begun a new relationship with Jesus. You're building that meaningful, most meaningful relationship in your life. And if you come to this place, go down to the bottom of the screen and you'll see a, a link uh, or a text number. You can text or click and it'll bring you to a form. It's a simple form. Fill it out, send it in, and we'll send you out a package in the mail that has some good information to give you traction to get you going. What is God doing in you today? Maybe today, maybe even right now when this message is over, you just want to sit there and you want to toss up a prayer, but a very meaningful prayer to God. Say, God, give me the strength to keep my walls up, to keep the bad things out. And God, give me the wisdom to open up the gates to good things come into my life, good things that honor you. This could be one of the greatest summers of your life, miracles and blessings, and hours, days, weeks ahead for you. Regardless of the circumstances, let's kick off. Next week, as we return to meet, let's kick off the next chapter in the history of Chair City Church in a wonderful, fantastic, God-honoring way. I love you. I miss you. I can't see, wait to see you next week. To God be the glory.